on this episode of Comedy Rewind. How does Zoolander's comedic take on the fashion industry stack up in the era of influencers and Instagram models? After 20 years, what could possibly have more lasting pop culture relevance than Blue Steel? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica and Manscaped as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me, we have two guys who can definitely turn left. I know, I've seen them, they're ambi-turners. We've got Logan Wilkinson from that nerdy site, and we have uh, we have Matt Tilby from Hoop Dreams. How you doing, fellas? Doing good, doing good. Doing fantastic. Yeah, good to be back. It's been uh, a while since my last uh, Comedy Rewind rodeo, so it's mm. good to get back on the horse, even though I am not a gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. And yeah, uh, both return guests, Tilby, we had on uh, Space Jam episode, and Ooh. Logan's done both Wayne's World and City Slickers. Slickers. But we are here today to talk about Zoolander. We're in the 2000s now, 2001 specifically. Uh, and I believe this is a movie that's near and dear for both of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tilby, let's start with you. You're, I think, the youngest of the crew here. What's What are your early memories of, of Zoolander and why does it stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, I like, I've probably been the, the youngest, I guess, guest to appear on Comedy Rewind so far, I'd say, but... Mario, not bros, is like 22 years old. So yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> he's definitely got me beat. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm now 28, but like... Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you're, okay. you're younger than I thought you were. There you go. <laughs> it's the voice. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely remember we got Zoolander on DVD as, uh, I believe, a gift for my mother, um, mm. who was a huge fan of that, like, Will Ferrell era, like Saturday Night Live. Sure. Um, mm. those sorts of reruns would come on on TV pretty regularly during that time. So um, we just ended up getting that as a, as a gift for her at the time. And obviously, like around 2000, 2001, like DVDs were really sort of breaking through and, and mm. becoming the, the norm for media as opposed to VHS and, and other forms. Um, and I think that the one thing I really remember was the DVD menu for the, the actual movie because at that time (laughs) all all the dvds are are trying to go all out to be like yeah this is the new way forward for movies and content going forward and everything and i just remember like they got uh owen wilson and ben stiller to like do special lines for the menu and the first thing you hear when you open up the menu is uh ben Stiller going welcome to the world of dvd and he's like really (laughs) playing off the um the zoolander character quite well like i think that was the the big thing for me that like we had that DVD for maybe like 10, 15 years. Like it, whenever we went camping or you know, went on trips and, and whatnot, we just had it with us because it was the go-to movie for us. Yeah, it, like it, it's probably the movie I've, I perhaps have seen most more than any other. Um, wow, yeah. Yeah, just just for being like close proximity. It's just always there. But yeah, it's, it's certainly one of my favorites so far. What about you, uh, Logan? Yeah, so uh, for me, I've I've talked for years about the fact that uh, Zoolander was my favorite comedy of all time growing up as a kid. Um, like, I adored this movie. Like, I, I always, I don't know the first time I saw it in terms of, like, the year, but I remember the first time I ever watched it was with my, like, childhood best friend, Brandon, um, and, like, renting it from some movie store. 
and being in like his like second floor living room together mm. at like you know ten o'clock at night and just like popping in Zoolander and just losing our minds in this movie. Like in particular, like the what is this a school for ant scene? Um, is <laughs> and I like messaged him last night after I got him watching it and I was like, a this movie holds up still and b. We like kept talking about that one scene being like, I think that's in the top five hardest moments I've ever left in my entire life, watching that scene the first time. Like we no exaggeration, like reround that one scene like five times and like we're literally falling out of our chairs laughing at it. Um and like he just texts back like I literally couldn't breathe. And it was just like, yeah, like it was such a like we were like the perfect age for the movie. Like we were just like losing our shit and like that that whole night um and like that scene in particular like it's just like so burned to my mind um and then like ever since in this has been such a quoted movie in my friend group uh and by me and there's so many like just like one-liners that are just so iconic and watching it again like i was surprised at just how many great lines are from this movie and just how many quotable moments are from this movie that like I had almost forgotten where they'd come from because I've just used them so much and they've become so ubiquitous in like our friend group. Yeah, I've got a similar story to that, I guess. It was 2001, so I would have been 14 when this movie came out in Australia in November of that year. And I definitely went and saw it at the cinema with a couple of my mates at least. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those movies that as soon as it was out on DVD, you were going to watch it again and again because... it's just so funny. Uh, and yeah. it's, it, I thought that it was one of those goofy movies that, because I haven't seen it for a while and knowing, I guess that the sequel didn't do so well, I was kind of af- not afraid, but I thought like, it's not going to be as good as mm-hmm. the first times that I've, you know, the, my younger years watching it, but mm. I'm pl- pleased to say it's still very, very funny. It, well, it's held yeah. up quite well. I think as well, like it's that sort of thing as well, where you almost relate it to that, that anchor man, Mm-hmm. sort of theory like you know it's been away for so long and they come back with a sequel you know 15 or whatever years later yep. and you immediately suspect that it's not going to be the same and like cash grab yeah it's exactly that it's a cash grab but like i almost prefer like this the second anchorman movie seems like you know citizen kane compared to the second zoolander movie like <laughs> oh yeah the, i i oh, yeah we can I went into I went into the second Zoolander movie with such high hopes, purely from the love of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we should probably move on from that because I've got some harsh I, words for it. It's it's that thing of like because again, like I don't know where it ranks my favorite movies now, but it's in terms of comedies, but it's no worse than like the top three. Like it's still one of my favorite comedies of all mm-hmm. time. And when the Zoolander two came out, me and a buddy of mine we went to the movie theater because again, it's like it's a sequel to my favorite comedy like i'm all about this i don't care how long it's been i don't care that i'm like worried about the trailers are looking kind of weird like i'm all in for it and the first red like flag i got was we walked into that theater it's like you know a saturday night in town and there were all told counting us like six people in there and i was like this is not a good sign this is not i don't not encouraged by this and it's one of two movies i think where i ever like in the middle of the movie looked to the person I was with and but like, this is not good. Like, this is going <laughs> to, like, in 10 minutes, it was like, this is going to be bad. Like, this is not, and the yeah. other movie was Suicide Squad, and that's not a good company to be with. Like, yeah. this is not yeah. going to be good. I had a similar experience with Dumb and Dumber 
sequel. Oh, okay. um, because that's, so I couldn't even do it. I that's my it, yeah. that's my like all time favorite comedy, basically. So it was a similar thing. Took a long time between the movies. You kind of yeah. like you're thinking like you don't want to think it's a cash grab. You want to think they were waiting for the right script or whatever. Uh, but clearly that's not the case. And you know, there's yeah. like I didn't actually go to. I still haven't seen Zoolander two because I just it revealed so terribly. <laughs> don't uh, don't don't hurt yourself like that. Just and, like Men uh, in Black, mind wipe you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the like the Dumb and Dumber one, I have. I, and you know, you can go back to episode I think two of this podcast to hear my thoughts about it. But it was like they missed the the heart of the first movie that that made it like pass. Yeah. And this is a similar case here. Where it's, it's the same thing. It's with a the movie. Episode. Yeah, it's about dumb people. But it's ma- a movie made by smart people, so it's yeah. funny. And but there was a heart that kind of allowed you to still like the characters, even though they were yeah. selfish and stupid. They were flogging the dead horse. Yeah, and when these sequels come out, I think they forgot that thing and they just focused on what's f- funny, and it didn't quite work. But anyway, mm. we're not here to talk about Zoolander two, and <laughs> thankfully, we, we might come back to it later when we're talking about if you could make this today. It might be relevant then, but. Um, yeah, for now, I think I want to talk a little bit about Ben Stiller. He's obviously the central yes. part of this. He's the director. He was one of the screenwriters that yep. uh, put the script together. And he's obviously the star. So this came out in 2001. And he'd been a, a, a famous person for a while. He had a, a sketch show on TV. He'd done a bunch mm-hmm. of movies in the 90s. But for me, it wasn't until Meet the Parents, I think, that he kind of yeah. became a box office superstar as, as far as comedy. Um, and man, he like we talk about Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey on this podcast in the 90s and how they went on these runs of movies. And this is yeah. kind of the start. After Meet the Parents, he did Zoolander. The same year, he did Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. Duplex, Along Came Polly, Starsky and Hutch, Dodgeball, Meet the Fockers, yeah. Night at the Museum, Heartbreak Kid, and Tropic Thunder. There's a few more I could mention after that, but I think that's kind of the peak. That's a and good run. Yeah. It's a it's a good run. <laughs> and on top of that, there are twelve other movies with he where he had either small parts or cameos, like Anchorman and mm-hmm. like Orange County and um, Blades of Glory that he had you know small parts in as well. So he was just constantly on the screen. He just seemed to be everywhere. And he had the Madagascar movies as well, where it's it's an animated thing that he's part of. So he yeah he was possibly like. I'm sure his box office would be up there with anyone for that decade of the 2000s. Yeah, I, I think his batting average at that point is is pretty solid, um, mm. especially when you're considering like the other people who um, are in this movie, and we'll, we'll get to them in a sec. But like, yeah. I mean, you look at some of the people who'd been either around the S- that SNL cast or had had actually been a part of SNL, um, and sometimes the 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 quality of their movies as you go through their list sort of tends to to drop pretty quickly but he had a like a as you said a pretty good run like all the way up to to tropic thunder another one of those mm. movies that just sticks out for me as being like one of my favorites um but yeah like that run is phenomenal yeah think- it's 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 funny like him and jack black are kind of the outsiders yeah. where they weren't on snl but they made their way into that crew with like will F- i guess vince vaughn's another one like that and, and yeah. owen wilson i guess i actually now that i think about it it's it's kind of different from the '90s where you had this whole SNL crew. In the 2000s, it was like Will Ferrell was the one that came out of SNL, and everyone else found their own way um, up. So yeah, that that's interesting. There. But what were you gonna say, um, Logan? I was just gonna say like, so I'm I'm actually a massive Ben Stiller fan in general, right? Like he like I always talk about like on my 
comedy Mount Rushmore, right? Like he's firmly on that mountain atop, okay. like alongside like Jim Carrey and Ben Stiller, and then like pre like. 2015 probably bill cosby um <laughs> yeah yeah uh that one probably didn't. and like jerry seinfeld right like those would be sure. like the big like huge like comedy inspirations f- for me um and then like if i could add another thing like maybe like adam sandler through like 2005 and like ben stiller's run was and like starsky and hutch is such an underrated like movie i'm so glad you mentioned that one like i watched starsky and hutch like a month or two ago that movie holds up so well. It's so funny. It's so clever. And like that to me is one of the biggest trends of Ben Stiller's movies is that they're so smart. Like there's so much like so many layers to them. There's so much like cleverness to them. Uh, mm. I think they're so often like really well written in terms of like how the jokes are laid out and like set up for it could be like an hour and a half down the line that there's always like a payoff to them. Um, and like, I would even extend that run a little bit further and also say that like Ben Stiller is also a great dramatic actor, right? Like yeah. the secret life of Walter Mitty is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think that movie's super beautiful. It's got an amazing soundtrack, like, and that's a great, like, you know, dramatic comedy movie as well that he did. And that came out probably like 2014, 2015, somewhere in that time span. So I, th- I think his run is very, very good. And he's just mm. a great actor and writer and director in general. Yeah, he has had some like I, I'm a really big fan of Greenberg, which is like a basically yeah. A, what, what, do you, what do you call that? Like a normcore movie or something? Yeah, I don't <laughs> even know what you'd call it. Oh, yeah, it's just like a slice of life. Like nothing really happens for the whole yeah. movie, but he just plays this like curmudgeonly guy that like writes letters to the council. He's and a great complain yeah. complains about traffic. Um, it and you know it makes me realize with Zoolander, this is kind of the breakout of he has two like you know people always say Adam Sandler is basically always playing the same character. And Seth Rogen's always playing the same character. Ben Stiller has these kind of two like sides to him, like a, heck, mm-hmm. a Jekyll and Hyde thing, where he's either, um, you know, the the meet the fuckers, meet the parents kind of like nerdy, like you know, quiet until he gets angry kind of guy. Um, and we've seen that in like Along Came Polly and yeah. you know Night at the Museum. It's just that kind of every man. And then you have like the idiot. And that's like <laughs> Zoolander. It's the dodgeball character. Yeah. It's to an extent, it's like the Tropic Thunder character. And yeah. you, you yeah. could even go back a little bit and include like Mr. Furious from Mystery Men in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I like that he has those two sides of him and it, it's he's either tapping into one or, or he's tapping into the other one. Yeah. All right. So speaking of, you know, the incredible box office success that he had. This movie, surprisingly, you know, shot for $28 million. It only made 65, which is kind of shocking when you think about like something like Along Came Polly. I'm pretty sure it made like hundreds of millions of dollars and and similar movies like, like what we've been talking about on Comedy Rewind recently made that much money in this decade. And it's pretty clear this came out two weeks after 9-11. I was yeah. And I guess people just weren't in the mood to laugh or to go out yeah. even. So um, we were probably all too young to really tap into exactly what the mood was as far as like people socializing. It was somber. I remember very vividly. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was not a lot of laughing happened in September 2001. No, no. And like there's, this, there's the theory that, you know, people need to laugh so that yeah. you know snl came back really quickly and yeah you know wwe or wwf at the time it might have just yeah i can't remember what it was but yeah it was definitely wwf they that's, came back really quickly. show that was like i think the yeah. first like public 
forum of any kind in in pretty America. much yeah and they were like yeah we're the we're the ones forcing the change is like a lot of flags yeah not not the time guys <laughs> come on yeah a lot of um star spangled banners but yeah uh it's i guess going out is the is the thing like people probably just weren't in the mood for it yeah. and it's not even as if the movie like reviewed terribly or anything i just think it was a, a bad time and they yeah. they even like had to scramble and ben stiller made the decision i was reading to yeah. digitally remove the twin towers from the yeah. film which is a thing that happened, I think, in a lot of... Like, I think Spy Spider-Man movie did the same thing. But interestingly enough, he went back for, like, the DVD or some kind of future cut and, like, put them back in. So, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's, like... I don't know. I don't know exactly what the thinking would be. I don't know if it's something that people would criticize, even. Like, it, it's... It I'd say it's probably for, like, authenticity or, like, the original yeah, I guess. kind of... The- as it was at the time but yeah yeah. i can see why you would do it like you don't want people thinking about the twin towers when they're watching a comedy so removing them makes sense but then maybe it's like well it's you can't like wipe away history kind of thing so i i understand definitely both sides of that all right so rotten tomatoes where do you guys think this would be sitting i mentioned that it didn't review terribly so that's a hint but uh 61 Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna say around like uh, 63. Whammy, right on 63. Oh yes. Nice. <laughs> uh, there's no prize, but if we did have one, you'd be getting it. I, I thought Logan's <laughs> guess was good. 61. Nice work. <laughs> I had just read the Wikipedia page yesterday, so it was pretty. Uh, I was, yeah, okay. It was <laughs> it was somewhere in in the mind bank. But um, Roger Ebert, who. I guess he's like the goat of the of film critics, gave the movie one star out of four mm-hmm. and said he felt the film was insensitive in its portrayal of child labor. I think that's a bit rich considering bit harsh, yeah. the film was like <laughs> about stopping child labor in a way. Like, like, yeah. I guess he maybe didn't like that they were so flippantly tr- conspiring to Trivializing bring child- it. Yeah, they were trying to bring child Did- labor back in some way did you see the um the the fun fact i saw about that though is that like years later ben Stiller talked about how like roger ebert like came to him in private and said he actually thought the movie was pretty funny yeah that's that's in the wiki article as well it says that Mm -hmm. he admitted that he he went overboard with his critique he he even referenced in his review that to some degree it was a victim of bad timing with 9-11 so um i guess yeah even roger ebert wasn't able to be impartial in the wake of of that tragedy but yeah 63 percent. that's still pretty good for a goofy movie like this like for a kind of a off the wall kind of zany surreal thing that's going on so it's definitely higher than some similar films of of this kind Uh, and yeah i think especially like the success that it's had in dvd and everything like people would definitely be feeling um vindicated if they gave it a good review back then uh number one song when the movie released uh let's see you're not going to guess it but uh you're welcome to try (laughs) (laughs) september of 2001 i'm something mariah carey it's not a bad guess i'll I'll tell you it's a diva featuring a rapper on the billboard charts god my mind is completely Uh. blank (laughs) I still want to go with Christina Aguilera. That's what I'm going to say. It's not a bad guess. It's Jennifer Lopez featuring Ja Rule. What a terrible combination. The song song is I'm Real, and it's the murder remix. Jeez. 
Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, <laughs> and then in the Aria charts in November, just a couple of months, just a couple of months later, we had Afro Man because oh, I got high. Wow. <laughs> so that's a, a bit of a blast from the past. That one hit wonder. Yeah. Big fan of uh big fan of Afro Man for that hot minute. <laughs> okay. What have you done for me lately? Ben still has been very quiet, as we mentioned in the Mystery Men uh, episode recently. He had a cameo in Adam Sandler's latest like Netflix movie. I think Hubie Halloween is what that's called. But he's also just been producing. Like he, He's just a busy guy. He's yeah. always producing, working on documentaries and short films and everything, pretty much. He's, he's actually working on producing Dodgeball 2, which I didn't realize. Oh, they make... Oh, no. (laughs) I know. It's happened again. (laughs) You know, eventually one of these sequels is going to be good. I hope so. (laughs) Um, I don't hate Anchorman 2 for what it's worth. I don't hate it. It's just... I I remember watching it and thinking, this isn't as good as I want it to be, uh, which isn't a good feeling in the cinema. Uh, You know, compared to the other ones that we've mentioned, like Dumb and Dumber and, and probably Zoolander, it's... Yeah, like you said, Citizen Kane. Um, Will Ferrell did Eurovision last year and is a producer on Dead to Me, which I think is a Netflix original. Uh, Owen Wilson, who we haven't mentioned yet somehow. (laughs) Wow, he's so good in this film. He's playing Loki in the upcoming Mobius series, apparently. Did you guys know about his casting? I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, which is an interesting turn, like him getting into the whole... I, th- I think it's a Marvel property, isn't it? Technically, it is. Yeah, yeah. I think they're sort of like trying to shoehorn it somehow into the MCU, but I don't know how right. well they're going to be doing that. But mm. yeah, yeah. It's a it's a weird IP, Mobius. Like it's not one that seems like a real like um, marketable thing. But you know, you kind of just have to trust they know what they're doing, and th- that's not coming out for a while. I think it's been a victim to like COVID delays and that kind of thing. But also working on Shanghai Dawn. Which Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Oh my So they they're basically just like, okay, what was really popular like in the early 2000s. 15, 20 years? <laughs> hey, ago? you know what? Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights are both excellent. Those are both excellent comedies. I'm totally they give me are. any give me anything with Jackie Chan and I'm down. So I guess the the difference between this and like Dodgeball Two or Anchorman Two or Zoolander Two is that it's the third movie mm-hmm. in the series. So maybe that's better yeah, breaks rush hour curse, yeah. rush hour two is better than rush hour one there's your take for the day oh okay Ooh. yeah we'll have to get to that we'll have to get to that <laughs> um so owen wilson also recently did a sci-fi romance called blist which didn't do terribly well i think it came out either earlier this year or late last year and he just hasn't really had anything else come out for a while so i don't know if he's taking a break or it's just the way the scheduling has worked but i'm a big Owen Wilson fan in general. I, I just wish that we could see some more of him. And I don't know. Do you think that he, he attempt like he filmed this movie at the same time as behind enemy lines and that mm. kind of action movie thing That's didn't right. really work out for him. What do, what do you think? Like, where's his place in Hollywood? Cause he's oh. kind of, hasn't really led a big movie for quite some time. He's, he's, I, I definitely agree that like he's, he's sort of stuck between two, like two sides like he he's he's not you know not in that action realm enough but he's also probably not extremely funny to be a purely comedic actor so he's almost like right in the middle but i guess for like 
either of those movies, you kind of need someone who is either either way. So it, it does make it difficult, but I don't know. Like, I think he, he does sort of straddle the line a bit, but I feel like he's probably more comedic than anything, but yeah. it's difficult. Yeah, I, I definitely like him as almost a, the straight man or like the guy, like almost, he's not a straight man in this movie, but he's someone that's like just doing their thing. He's just like the chilled out, like almost a Matthew McConaughey type who nothing really phases and everything just bounces off him. And I really like that for him. Like meet the parents. He's got a similar character. He's obviously not a male model, so he's a bit more grounded, but I really like, maybe it's just him when he's combined with, with Ben Stiller ben and they just bounce off each other. So I mean, they have well. great Look, chemistry right? together. Unquestionably. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. even then, like in the movie itself, when he's walking the red carpet right at the start, he does do a, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, so it's did. like, he so he's definitely like trying to channel that McConaughey vibe for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Christine Taylor, who at the time was married to Ben Stiller. I don't believe they're together anymore. Wait, they're not together sure. anymore? They split up. Yeah, I think they split up, which is sad because they're one of those Hollywood couples that you're like, they've been oh, there for like see, 20 it, years. It is, yeah. yeah, it is possible, but I guess they split up in, I think it was 2017, which was not long after Zoolander 2, Connect the Dots. Damn. She wasn't in it, was she? Yeah. I mean, she was in that movie. Oh, though. was she? Yeah. They killed but... her off instantly, basically. Oh, okay. Spoilers. Spoilers. No. Spoilers. <laughs> it was terrible. I hate it. It was so bad. Whatever. Don't watch. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, she's been doing a TV series called Search Party that I haven't heard of, but it's got like four or five seasons, so people must be enjoying it. Uh, Mila Jokovich, I believe that's how you would pronounce her name. Jovovich. Jovovich, is it? Yeah. Okay. She's been in like Maybe 18 I'm... Resident Evil movies. Yeah. And she's and also, recently she's also been. Yeah, I was going to say, she's also been drinking from the same fountain of youth that Paul Rudd has. Like, yeah. You, you how, see- is she, how is she just like the video game go-to <laughs> actor? It's just like... Because she's got that like staple, like creator character, like face to her. Build, yeah. Almost <laughs> like very just like stock standard, but still, you know, like even going, I was thinking about it, like going from this movie through the 72 Resident Evil movies mm-hmm. and then all the way up to like Monster Hunters, like she still looks fantastic. Same, I think she's yeah. what, like... 45 now? She's got to be in her 40s now. Yeah, she looks fantastic. It's been 20 years since this movie. Well, yeah. (laughs) The the Fifth Element was 97 or 98 or something. And that was the first time I remember seeing her, which is 24 years ago. So, yeah, she's like mid-40s. Unless she was a teenager when that movie came out. Uh, She was also in Hellboy, for what it's worth. Oh, yeah. The the David... What's his name? Um, David K. Harbour? No, who's the... uh, Who's the stranger thing? David Harbour. Yeah, yeah David so, Harbour, yeah. Uh, you said something else. David K. Harbour. Well, where's the K come from? That's what he... That's his, like, legal name that he uses. Since when? He's always done that. Really? I'm Googling this right now. <laughs> Dave, David Harbour. It just comes up. David Harbour. It doesn't say Michael J. Fox, David K. Harbour. It just says... Yeah, I've always known him as, like, David K. Harbour. Maybe he changed it. Maybe he changed it. That is his Twitter handle. But, anyway... <laughs> Weird, uh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's possible that there was a f- more famous David Harbour and then when he became really big, he was like, no, I'm going to be David Harbour. This is mine now. I'm dropping the K, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, anyway, she was in that and the last one I wanted to mention was Jerry Stiller, obviously. He's yes. Not really wor- he's recently, very recently passed. I think it was yeah. last year, right? Rest in peace. Year, yeah. Or the year before, yeah. 
and just a legend like he's so great in this film he's just he's almost it almost feels like he's just frank costanza like he's just got the same kind of like cadence in his without, voice without the sort of aggressiveness i guess but uh, and, he's, more, and more sexism he's pretty aggressive still like for, for, for the kind of person he is but yeah anyway Pencil's we'll mom the, is also in the movie as the woman who throws the egg the, at will ferrell oh yeah. really yeah <laughs> And oh, I think his sister that. is in uh, Hansel's like crew. So into the categories, what's the most two thousands moment? What'd you have, Matt? I had a couple things actually. Um, Was a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're probably not so much in relation to the plot, but I think it's just general things in the movie. Yeah. Um, first one being the very existence of VH1. Um, <laughs> I think at, yeah. at that time period, sort of music video on TV or that the music television, um, was probably definitely at its peak, like, and being big enough to have like an awards show and, and it's well. dedicated to fashion, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, obviously like Logan in the U S would probably have had, you know, MTV obviously, but yeah, TRL, things like that, like VH1. And then yeah. obviously here we'd have video hits, um, and to Channel a lesser v. extent, like Channel V, um, like you go to any music festival in the mid to late 2000s and Channel V was there. But yeah, just like VH1 seems to like date this film so dramatically. It's like you can't mm. get away from it. I felt it was quite weird. Um, uh, the other one was the the chunky orange iMac that they get the files out of. <laughs> yeah. They were they were there's definitely a, big around. There's a few the iMacs in the movie. Like I think Jerry Stiller's character has one early in the film too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they're like. I remember them being all the rage around like the early two thousands. Like if oh, if you such had a trend, yeah. yeah, if you had like, and there was like five or six different colors for them. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you, you can. Oh just, yeah, the color was the big part. Yeah, mm. buy one to like match your styles. Like, it certainly set the trend for how we are today with like phone colors and mm, whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, um, and the last one just being like the dated celebrity cameos. I think like my my big ones were Fred Durst. Uh, Gary Shandling, Paris Hilton, right? Paris Hilton, absolutely, um, and Billy Zane. Billy Zane, um, Billy Zane's an is, icon, all right. But put a cork in it, Zane. It's a walk-off. Um, I yeah. did see that Billy Zane was in the sequel. Somehow he somehow wrangled his way like a big that. part of the sequel, like in the plot. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. oh, but like, yeah, it, it it definitely like it's the perfect storm for like that 2001, 2000 sort of like time frame like even having like donald mm. trump in the yeah in the intro was that like was that, the one now right yeah. yeah yeah like that definitely ages it and especially after what we've had for the last four to five years you know you mm-hmm. look at it and go geez like you, you almost forget he was at that time like a a media mogul an entrepreneur not president of the a united real- states yeah a reality tv host. yeah <laughs> so, the apprentice when did the apprentice start like 2005 this is before okay, that right even. right yeah yeah yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good list matt i had um a bunch of those did you have any more to throw out there logan so mine was just uh my 2000s moment is actually the tiny cell phone just because it dates back actually to the 90s and a SNL sketch where yes. Jimmy Fallon and Will Ferrell work at like a fancy store and Will with Ferrell's character with Sean Hayes. Yeah, and there has a tiny, like an even smaller cell phone than that. And like, yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's some sort of reference to that. And I, I just love the tiny cell phone. 
it was like the height of fashion because f- phones were obviously so chunky yeah. that the trend was to get them smaller and smaller and smaller. Yep. So yeah, to have it like microscopic is so is great. I feel like I'll be talking about that phone a little bit later on in the episode. <laughs> yeah. The um the other ones that I had, so yeah, the cell phone, but then the ringtone as well, <laughs> which you hear a couple of times. It's the and what is it like what is it, it was it referencing i don't know what it's referencing but it was just a nokia a, a common like nokia yeah, ringtone okay. that everyone heard all the time and, and it's that like i don't even know i was gonna say chip tune but that's like video games i don't know what you call it. like the the monophonic tones monophonic, it, yeah, that's, yeah that sounds it and then we had like polyphonic which was like wow in technology for ringtones and you could you could text jamster and get your crazy frog <laughs> <Yes>. ringtone <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah, the the ringtone itself took me back, and you know, the, if you type in like to YouTube like nostalgic ringtones, it'll be like one of the the top First results. The, I'm sure. the other thing was like Hansel coming in on the Razor style scooter, like <laughs> that was such a two yeah. thousands thing. Like scooters were like the the cool and hip and Razor scooters man took over the world for about yeah. a week and a half. It was great, and the way he just sort of like <laughs> throws it out action style and just like detaches it and yes. flips it open and everything. It, he thought he was like the king the of the playground, knees, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't know how the yo-yos fit into that because like yo-yos, at least when I was in school, came like in and out of fashion, and I think they still do with kids. Yeah. Like it's like every year, like there's a new trend, and like oh, this year yo-yos are cool again. Um, and then the last like kind of tech reference was when um maury is saying like he's calling his wife and he's saying like bring the zip disc the in zip i got the zip disc in the den <laughs> um it's such a 2000s thing for him not to just be like you know email it to my phone or put it in, in the my cloud box or something <laughs> yeah yeah i love that but yeah like like you said matt the beautiful celebrities and the examples being like fred durst I think there was like someone from NSYNC or Lance something. Lance Bass, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Lance Bass, yeah. And then Gary Shandling, like he's one of the beautiful celebrities. <laughs> Great, so good. And Billy Zane, like I just want to shout out to him because <laughs> Titanic and The Phantom is like what I think of for Billy Zane. And then I just, I can't think of anything else that he's done <laughs> apart from this movie. I just think, uh, whenever I think of Billy Zane, I actually don't think of anything he's actually ever done. I always just think of Psych. Because Sean and Gus reference Billy Zane's character at least every three or four episodes. Right. He's just such a like <laughs> essential part of like the eighties and nineties in their eyes. He's such a handsome dude. Yeah, he's as beautiful. well in this movie. Yeah. Like, he's got a shaved head, but he just looks like he should be the model. Yeah. He's got that Vin Diesel look about him, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a bit he's got a bit of a cleaner look cleaner image. Vin yeah. Diesel, yeah. <laughs> a classy Bruce uh, Willis. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great clip on the internet, speaking of Billy Zane, of him talking about his voiceover work in some snowboarding video game. But he's talking about it like it's an artistic expression Mm -hmm. that he's decided to like do this thing. And it's so clearly like a cash grab, but he's trying to make it like some kind of like metaphysical existential (laughs) like choice that he's doing this role in the mid 2000s. (laughs) Good on you, Billy Zane. Uh, most iconic scene. What did you have, Logan? I mean, it's a school for ants. I mean, it, again, that like that is the, the a scene. center for ants. Sorry, excuse me. That's correct. Yeah, a center for ants. <laughs> um, it is that is the scene, like I referenced earlier, that just like defines the movie for me. Right? It's like rewinding that one scene again and again and again with like Brandon back when we first watched it in his like house. I'm um, like falling yeah. over chairs, laughing, like being unable to breathe. Like it's just it was like 
one of the funniest things that I had and still have like ever seen when I first watched it, it was so good. And like, even now, mm. like it's such a good scene. Um, but like it is what kind of the first thing I think of when I think of Zoolander is the sin of France. But even there, it's like, it's great how your memory warps it. We're like, even when we talk about it, we don't say the sin of France. We say the school for ants. Like that is the, yeah. what we say. So even there, it's a great, like how memory <laughs> changes things. But yeah, I mean, that is the scene. Sure. What did you think for that one, Tilby? Yeah, I I pretty much had exactly the same thing. Like it was yeah. it was either that or the um the freak gasoline fight accident. Yep. And the other iconic um, with with Wham playing in the background. Yep. Like yeah. I was actually listening to the Anchorman episode you guys did and you were sort of talking about how they would take songs that were I guess out of the, the public yeah. s- like scene for quite a while and bring them back. Like I mean, I'm too probably too young to remember when wake me up before you go go was you know a big hit but like mm-hmm. there's obviously like two songs in this in this film obviously like wake me up before you go go and uh relax, relax by yeah. frankie goes to hollywood like they're bringing them back into this this public yeah. s- scene and public eye um in such a way that you know no other medium could but like yeah that mm-hmm. and, and like i'll reference it later because it like there are certain gifts and things that hold up from that yeah. particular yeah. scene and 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 whatnot but yeah, other than that, I think, yeah, A Center for Ants really is, like, the, the, the defining moment of the <laughs> yeah. film, for sure. Um, other than that, like, just certain quotes here and there would have been, yeah. like, you know, how they introduce uh, Katinka, Inga, Boba, Nana, Na, um, <laughs> and just, like, the like that almost feels like it's Will Ferrell just ad-libbing again. Yeah. It's like, it just feels like he's just throwing that name off the top of his head, and they're yeah. like, okay, we'll run <laughs> with okay, it. With so, uh, but, yeah, like, those two, for sure. Yeah, you think there could have been like five takes of that name. Yeah. That was the one they went with. I did want to give a shout out because it's one of my favorite just like small moments in the movie, but I like, I've always loved it, which is whenever Ben, ben Stiller's character and Ernestine's character are like trying to get to computer files and Ben Stiller leaves and then he's talking on the phone with Christine Taylor and it just goes, they're in the computer and his look of realization of like, they're in the computer yes. is like the- priceless. Like it's such an amazing moment. Mm. Like we're again a great payoff a little bit later on in the movie. Like it's so good. Yeah. The it's 2001 almost the last- parody. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. I was going to say, it's almost the last time you could get away with that joke. Like it's cause like for the point in time, like 2001, like in 2005 or in 2010, like there's no way you could believe that someone doesn't understand what how a computer yeah. works <laughs> unless they were like an 80 year old man yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was like one other quick little part of it that was really iconic to me and has actually some significance to my family as well because i was saying earlier like my mum was a big fan of like will ferrell's sort of style of humor at the time and um the video that M- mugatu uses to brainwash <laughs> yeah uh, we hadn't mentioned <laughs> yeah. his name was mugatu in the film obviously yeah. um the video that he uses to brainwash Derek and it sort of just zooms in on his dog and goes, obey my dog. Cause we have, we have a dog that looks almost exactly like that dog. And my mum uses it all the time. When, whenever I come over, it's like, obey my dog. It's just like using it as this like reference point to, uh, to sort of um, look after a pet. So it was just like something that really hit home for me, not only as, because it was funny as hell, but like, it had some like reference to or significance to my family as well. 
And what is he saying? Like, hi, hi, or something happy. like that. Happy. Yeah, happy, happy. Hi. The cutaways <laughs> to Ben Solo's face are like, oh, yeah. And then, like, kill the prime minister. And a very scared face now. Or also such great physical comedy on Ben Do Soto's what you've part. been trained to do. <laughs> yeah. So, so funny. Um, I had a, a few things that you guys didn't mention. So, yeah, obviously, the the whole sequence, like, I love musical sequences, Obviously, if you've heard this podcast, I've talked about them almost every time. There's a most iconic scene, <laughs> whether it's like Wayne's World with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, Clerks 2 with like Jackson 5 and ABC. The wake me up before you go go thing, it's just like so carefree and happy. And you're just like, yeah, like we all have had those, mem- those moments with our friends in the car where you're just like, you know, you're happy because you have your McFlurries or whatever you happen to have <laughs> just picked up from, from McDonald's. Orange milk and frappuccino. Yeah, and I mean the the scene with those guys in the apartment before that happens is also just like oh, so, so one of the funniest parts. Of yeah, the, uh, Earth to Nisha. I can't remember their names, but it's like super like out there, like Brint and and Brint, like Mika Mika yeah. or Mika, something. Mika, yeah, Mika. Earth to Mika. Like is isn't there more life than? being really 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 <laughs> ridiculously good looking and every time he says that particular word he's like he makes the look he, he makes the the blue steel look just to sort of mm. like ram the message home which is great there's there's a deleted or an alternate take i guess where the earth to x goes on for the whole scene oh until it, it ends with with um like derek going earth to me Hmm. or something it's just like <laughs> even but that's a great point like even the earth two thing has an awesome payoff at the end where christine yeah. taylor calls him out and goes like we're not really saying earth two you know that right yeah i know that i don't think you do know that like it's such, there's so many great payoffs in this movie yeah yeah and the other one i wanted to talk about was the walk-off uh, yes oh, another yeah. another yeah. musical scene you have david bowie david in there bowie too, showing up i'd forgotten about yeah and I was just thinking, watching it again, just thinking like how awesome would it have been to be an extra for that scene? Like there's so many extras. Like imagine being like, I got to watch Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson do a walk-off, like a fashion, like a hilarious fashion runway walk-off and David Bowie was there And too. Tyrese is in Ben Stiller's <laughs> corner too. And yeah. Billy Zane is somewhere on the set as well. Like what is going on here? Right, yeah. I, I have one question about that walk-off personally. In the rules, how did he get his undies out? <laughs> well, two. Um, in the rules, it seems as if Ben Stiller goes first, or Zoolander goes first, then Hansel goes second. Mm-hmm. But in the final scene, Hansel yeah. goes first and pulls his underwear out. So maybe it's a snake I, thing. I actually caught Serpentine. this. Is that when I watched it yesterday? Is that they say the Ben Stiller's character goes first? And then Owen Wilson has to match it and then add something to it. Uh, so technically, he's sure. always like evolving what Ben Stiller had just done. Uh, okay. I thought it was yeah. just like a straight up horse situation where it's, it's like, like yeah. advanced horse, basically. Yeah. We have yeah. to kind of like do it and then do something else extra. Okay. I love, I love the part where Hansel's like, I can't see. I can't see. You got to cut me. And it's a direct <laughs> reference to Rocky. Yeah. And yeah. he's got the uh, he's got the Evian spray. He's like, I need my Evian. It's like, yeah. You referenced Rocky, so now you have me on it. Where it's mm. like, how many like cinematic references are in the movie? Because again, him talking to Jerry Stiller's character at the end of the movie is just a straight up scene from Godfather Part Two. Like, I know, I know it was you, Morty. Like, I know it was yeah. you. Like, and like they even have like the Godfather music slowly start to like come up a little bit as the scene is going on. It's like there's so many small like film references mm. spread out throughout the movie. 
Yeah, I'm sure that the mining scene has probably has some reference to something oh, in there too. Sure, yeah. Because it's, it's so good. Um, but the last thing I want to mention when you're talking about like iconic parts of this is Blue Steel in general. Whether it's Blue Steel, Magnum or whatever, like that expression, that facial expression, that look has probably stood the test of time more than anything in Zoolander, I would argue. Mm. Like, there's a lot of great quotes, mm. but this is just a look. Like, how many films you could say, like, there's a pose that you could do and people could just go Blue Steel or Zoolander or whatever. Yeah. Because I still see people, whether it's, like, posting a selfie or someone's commenting on someone else's photo and it's someone just mentions Blue Steel and you just know what they're talking about. Yeah. It's, like, it's not like a... It's not an off-the-wall, like obscure reference like everyone knows what blue steel is yeah i i was actually going to mention it in the the question later about whether this movie passes the internet relevancy test mm. and i would have said I, w- I mean i would have said yes purely from the gifts alone mm-hmm. but i think i would i was going to say look it, it sort of almost transcends uh, yeah. that because it's now being used in a in a fashion or modeling sense rather than being just internet relevant because like you said the amount of times i've seen people on my instagram saying oh, i'm just pulling out a blue steel or hashtag yeah. blue steel or all that sort of stuff yeah. like it, it's it's gone past the internet vernacular and it's becoming something that's bigger than just you know a movie or a comedy so i think like mm-hmm. it certainly had its its place as a comedy but i think it's definitely reached a few more people than that yeah and on top of that like the actual magnum scene where he unveils magnum and the ninja star falls oh i don't God. know if that's a matrix i don't Dear know if it's God. a direct <laughs> matrix reference but it is like a really awesome moment. Like the music swells and Magatu's like, it's beautiful. Yeah, Magatu's <laughs> reaction is the best, yeah. And Jerry Still is like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's just like, there's just so many amazing parts of that sequence. I just loved before then, like <laughs> when Hansel and the DJ are, are break dance fighting. Break dance They're fighting. just like, <laughs> and lock it, fool. Oh, man. Oh, Okay, okay, that's enough, that's enough. Uh, what ho- what holds up the best? Uh, like, for me, it's just, like, how funny the script is. Like, yeah. you've mentioned some of the quotes, Tilby, like, so hot right now, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, center for ants, I can't turn left, like, derelict my balls. Like, there's, there's just so many great lines in this film that hold up really well. Uh, it's just a clever script to me. So, what, what did you guys think for this one? Um, I... I sort of felt like the notion that models are indeed a little bit like dim-witted sort of holds up quite well. <laughs> okay. um, it's a little bit bit sort of left of field, I think. But, um, I mean, it seems to be like the, the general sort of, um, I guess, idea throughout today's society. Oh, yeah, you've got good looks, so you must be a little bit, you know, a few screws loose or a few, you know, few tools short of a, a toolbox, you know what I mean? Like that sort of idea of you know if you're smart you must be or you're good looking you must be dumb essentially seems to have run its court like has continued on yeah there's an i got a theory about that i think adam carolla probably is where i stole this from but like he's got this idea that people who are good looking never get told no they never get told like what you just said doesn't make any sense. Like shut up, you, you, you're talking nonsense. So they just talk, and people go, uh huh, yeah, because they're good looking. <laughs> they just like don't pull them up on stuff. So no one ever. It's like those te- like you know watching American Idol or Australian Idol. You have these, I guess, attractive people coming in. And I think they think they're amazing singers because no one's ever told them that they're tone deaf. <laughs> you know, and I think it's the same thing where like maybe these people aren't 
stupid. That's might that might be too harsh to stereotype, but like they've never been made to think like critically, and that maybe haven't they haven't worked that muscle or you know developed that ability to have like i don't know whether it's different whether opinions talk, against yeah them. like yeah whether they haven't been tested so I, I think that there's some truth to that and like it's a thing where he, he adam carolla did uh love line which is a uh, very i think in american radio like an iconic call-in show and he could like tell from the way that somebody talked like he could tell if they were good looking and he'd say people and um, i guess also what they were saying to him like asking some stupid question he'd say you have a lot of interest from guys, yeah. Um, you know, you date date a lot of guys in high school. You're very popular in high school. You were a cheerleader, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which you know, I I think it's not smart generally to stereotype based on someone's appearance. It's always going to get you into trouble, <laughs> really. But there's also you know stereotypes that exist for a reason. I think, and like one of the critiques of this movie was from one of the reviews I read was the fashion industry is already a parody of itself. So there's no need to like, to, to make a movie like this. Well, uh, what do you think, Logan? Uh, I mean, I think first and foremost, I know at least two beautiful men who are very smart in Matt Selby and Chano Peck. So that's certainly, there's some exceptions right there. Look at these you flatter me. beautiful men, but otherwise, no, I mean, I think in terms of what holds up best about Zoolander, I think it's almost, it's like all the parts of it work so well, Um, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I think, to your point, John, like, the script is just flawless. Like, it's just, it works so well. It's held up so well. Like, there's so many iconic quotes and lines. And again, like I was saying earlier, like, just offhand remarks and zingers and one-liners. I think the structure of the movie is really tight. Again, like, things that are introduced will be paid off an hour and a half later even, um, but they're going to have a payoff no matter what. Like there's just so many things. I think the performances totally commit to it in really fun ways. Like Will Ferrell is having an absolute blast in this movie. And it's so obvious to see. And I think that's the same for (laughs) Ben Stiller and Wilson, who again, like I said earlier, have such great chemistry. They've been in so many movies together. Obviously, the love interest is Ben Stiller's wife, so that chemistry is great. Um, like, I just think there's so much fun throughout this movie, and mm. that carries over. And like that to me is maybe the thing that is the best part of the movie is that like it just feels like everyone had so much fun writing, directing, and acting this movie, just making Zoolander together felt like a really fun project. Like, I can't imagine what that set was like. Um, and so that to me is kind of the thing that I think holds up the best is that like the movie is just a ton of fun and it doesn't matter if it's 2001 or 2021, like it Mm. is just a joy to watch and kind of go through. Yeah, no, that's, that's very well said, Logan. And I think it's really like a movie where the people in the movie are having a good time. It always reflects like whether it's obvious or not, you just, I think you enjoy it that little bit extra. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. This is probably a good time to talk about our friends over at Manscaped. Because, you know, I'm thinking when you're talking about chiseled abs and stunning (laughs) features, you know, you're not going to really get the full, you know, you're not going to get the full experience with a body full of hair. So you need to be hairless to show those chiseled abs and stunning features. That's why we're talking about Manscaped. Because I think that when you are going to be doing that kind of thing, you want the very best in men's self-care, hygiene, and below-the-waist grooming. 
Derek Zoolander wouldn't be running around with a, an old razor. He wouldn't be using any inferior subpar products. It would be Manscaped or nothing. And the good news for listeners is that you can experience Manscaped's life-changing products around the world with a handy 8-bit discount code. The Manscaped engineering team has redesigned the electric trimmer. They've perfected the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 with a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. They've got a USB-powered charging stand, LED torchlight, waterproof technology for easy grooming in the shower. It's so easy that even someone as dumb as Derek Zoolander could use this thing. There's a battery life that lasts up to 90 minutes. There's not going to be any problems with Manscaped. You know, it's hard to feel your best when you don't look your best. And for a lot of fellas, that means tidying things up. Whether you're a male model, whether you're a regular guy, you just got to look your best and you need the best tools for the job. And that's where Manscaped comes in. So use the offer code 8BIT, that's A-T-E-B-I-T, for 20% off and free shipping only at manscaped.com. That's A-T-E-B-I-T. All right. Let's hear it out, Reed. Thank you, Logan. <laughs> Uh, we're talking now about what holds up the worst, and there's not a whole Nothing. lot. There's a few. There's a few things that you wonder whether they would happen today. But you're talking about a particular type of character in Mori, and I think <laughs> that they probably still would happen because I'm sure there's people like that in the fashion industry. And I'm talking about you know, look out, tushy squeeze. Yeah, and- yeah that was a big one for me. Yeah. <laughs> It's like uh, you can't do that, and maybe maybe you couldn't do it back then. But it's just the world that this guy lives in, where he's a dinosaur, and the fashion models are trying to, um, you know, trying to do what they can to get to to be popular and liked. And I, I guess like there's a dark side from that exposed now, where it goes further than that, and that's not funny anymore. So I think mm. that probably doesn't get in there, even though it's probably still accurate. Thoughts. Yeah, I mean that was one of the big ones for me. I think within that scene, within the within you know two minutes of him going from tushy squeeze to telling Christine Taylor, you know, if you wear a push up bra, you got a nice yeah. rack of land there. Like yeah. just <laughs> absolutely terrible stuff. That if it happened in today's you know fashion industry, I'm sure there might be a bit of uproar or, or you you might hear some things about it, but. I think that was the big one. I think just the, the sexism was mm. a, a, a part and parcel, probably not a, not only of its time, but of the fashion industry in general. Um, it might be a bit yeah. different if it was if this movie was made today. But um, I actually had a couple of other things that didn't hold up too well. If if you would indulge me, sure, let's hear it. This is one that I guess you guys had just talked about the sort of structure of the film. I felt that. Not so much in the sense that, um, you know, the traditional story plot is obviously establish the characters, have the hardship, get your resolution. I Mm -hmm. found that, like, you almost have your hardship within, like, the first five, ten minutes of the movie. Mm. Like, you find out that, oh, he's he's lost the award, he's he's a bit stupid, obviously, Um, and then all of his friends die. And then, yep. he, and then he almost goes, you almost go back to part one where he gets a bit of exposition where he goes to the mines and sees his father and you find out that his, his mother's dead um, mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. I'm not saying it's, it's taken anything away from the movie. I just found that that sort of way to structure a movie doesn't happen a lot. And it ha- you have to be really good to, to make it work. And I think that thankfully they did, but 
Yeah, I think they messed with the structure a little bit, which it, I think really works because they, instead of the that moment with his friends dying being like the lowest point, I guess in the way that it's structured, the lowest point is finding out that he's being brainwashed to attack the Prime Minister of Malaysia. Malaysia. Yeah. So, so then he has to come out of that dark moment and turn it around and make up with Hansel, you know, who's his enemy and that kind of thing. So, I'll yeah, I, it's a it's a good point that you bring it up as being different, but I think that it really works. I, yeah, and then obviously, like as we said before, I think the the dated celebrity cameos, <laughs> some of them just do not hold. You don't up like Fred Durst? Oh, look, I loved I loved Limp Biscuit when they were you know the the theme song for the WWF for what two years the and seventeen, 17 yeah. and then that was about it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it certainly that part probably doesn't hold up too well. I'd say, but mm-hmm. yeah, fair. Uh, Maury also drops an R word. I just wanted to throw out. Yes, there, he does. Yes, he I does. Guess, guess you wouldn't. I guess you wouldn't put that in there. There's another kind of social thing that I wanted to ask about because it's like. It might not even cross your mind, but does Ben Stiller do blackface in this movie? Because he does make up and it's like he's doing it for espionage. So is that like offensive because it's like a disguise? I don't know. Well, it's complicated too because and like they skirt around it a little bit because he's never in actual blackface. Like because they just have the actors who are the actual people. And then when it cuts to him and like then they wipe it off and it's just like some around like the edges of their face. And it's like. So it's like a weird like gray because like he's never actually in. Yeah. It's just like some residual left over, and it's like they have the oh, actual no, actors play them. Yeah, you're yeah. thinking of when they're in the disguises. Oh, no, yeah, this we're talking no, about. I, no, I was talking about that's when they're in saying. disguises. Yeah, because yeah. oh, yeah. you're talking about in the mind when mine. he's actually in pure black. That's see, that's not blackface. That's, that's just that's like that's just him. <laughs> that's being, just yeah, him just hiding. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's like literal black <laughs> yeah. face. Yeah. Either one could have been construed badly. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, if you just took a screenshot of that and went like, oh, Ben Stiller does blackface in the new zoo end. The cancer like, culture. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I guess like espionage is like, maybe that's like yeah. an exception. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, there's also bunk beds for all these models. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> these guys are rich. Why are they sleeping in bunk I beds? I love that Appar- <laughs> But then apparently I read some trivia like uh, Cindy Crawford and one of her friends who was also a model apparently did live in an apartment with bunk beds together. But I think it was before they were really famous, which is the big difference here. <laughs> so they, they did like, I guess they paid attention to the fashion world and really attempted to incorporate, you know, some bits and pieces and Easter eggs into the movie, which I appreciate. Uh, we're going to move on to who would be the most offended. And from the things that we've mentioned, I don't think anyone really, but then yeah. you have this scene where they're talking about bulimia and eating disorders yeah and it's almost completely yeah. laughed off as like <laughs> not, all models do that not even kind of it, it is it is a hundred percent just completely laughed off yeah yeah so i think anyone with an eating disorder would possibly be offended not by that. love it yeah and like like the christine's character i can't remember her name uh hold on let me matilda up. yeah matilda does say it's a disease you guys and she's kind of the voice of like reason there but it doesn't take away that they just laugh it off. And I, I guess that's, again, commenting on the modeling industry. Maybe that's hurtful yeah. to the modeling industry. Maybe it's completely accurate. I don't know. Um, and maybe times have changed since then. But yeah, I think that's probably the problematic part coming out. <laughs> um, I had a couple here as well. Um, mm-hmm. Straight off the bat, models. 
Um, They might have found this a little bit insensitive. And then to a lesser extent, the fashion industry as a whole. um, I think that obviously art and fashion are subjective, but I feel like... And it is a comedy. But yeah, yeah, but uh, even still, like you know, some people in in art and fashion do take this sort of stuff pretty seriously. But yeah, yeah. I feel like creating a fashion line that is literally based off like hobos and homeless people <laughs> probably would have um, ruffled a few feathers. Well, it's based they- off an actual like fashion line, is a thing too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like even still, like it, I feel like people might have seen that the wrong way. Um, sure. Yeah. And then uh, journalists might have found the the way that they sort of use it as like slander or reporting on these sorts of things as pretty like dumb or you know a less credible way to uh to look at journalists and then just straight up women like yeah. some of the sexism in, sexism yeah. in this probably wouldn't uh, be too great but yeah it's it's a bit all over the place really anything from you logan nah nah it's fine we've covered it yeah <laughs> it's fine i mean ultimately i think if you fit into any of these categories, yeah, but you have a sense of humor about the world, I this think you probably yeah. Yeah. in the longer history of comedy rewind. This is in the this is mostly all right <laughs> in terms of who is yeah. going to offend category. I had to dig deep. I was like, uh, yeah. I know, it's like I feel like some people could have been offended by it, but in the end, there yeah, it's like if you've got a sense of humor, I think you'll you'll be fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how does uh, Zoolander pass the internet re- relevancy test? I think you've already mentioned. Yeah. Um, you probably both mentioned, but yeah, big time to me. Yeah. Just like everything. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many, yeah. yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Like there's some movies that are just really successful and they're, they're still really funny, but they just aren't, you know, they don't pass this test, but Zoolander yeah. does. Yeah, big time. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think like Blue Steel, obviously we discussed that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just the, the gifts like... Of, of them in the jeep i know of so many like <laughs> yeah. fans fans yeah. of sports teams who have you know put their favorite players on um on, oh, yeah. on, the, on four the, the four heads yeah. and yeah. i'm sure there's probably going to be a brooklyn nets one now coming soon but yeah. um <laughs> and then even like to a lesser extent like i feel like i'm taking crazy pills has been mm-hmm. around oh, for a while yeah. as well like um using that on twitter like i see it so much to be honest but and yeah. so hot right now yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely I feel like everything was was so hot right now for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and it probably dates me that I still say it. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, no arguments there. How would modern smartphones and social media change Zoolander? Because I'm thinking, obviously, Instagram is the big one. Yeah. Uh, there's so many Instagram models that have to incorporate that if they made it now. TikTok would be a big thing. I don't know if Derek Zoolander's smart enough to use TikTok. He would he use Instagram, would. though. He'd be he'd have yeah. some amazing Instagram captions. Yes. Well, the, the, yeah, the <laughs> yes. use of like the selfie would just be like a pretty big thing. I'm sure there would yeah. be jokes about yeah. like a selfie stick or something. Like, yeah. Yeah. did they do that in the 2016 one? They did use a they selfie did stick. Use yes. Selfie stick. Mm. Yeah, his captions would be like, "Water is the essence of." Wetness <laughs> yeah. Another like Wetness fantastic is the one. Essence of moisture. Yeah. Um, I also had like when he pulls out the, the little phone I feel like that's that would be like a really good joke about like how iPhones tend to get bigger and then smaller and bigger yeah, and smaller yeah. every yeah. year um, he, yeah maybe he pulls out like a massive a brick I, yeah. iPhone plus <laughs> yeah. plus plus or something yeah <laughs> yeah and it kind of 
goes straight into like how how would it look if you made it today but yeah I think there'd be like some jokes about like OnlyFans and like maybe the Ooh. these models, the Instagram models and the OnlyFans models have like a rivalry going or something. Yeah, I feel like that sort of that what's where Derek is is almost like the higher level or the higher class of models mm-hmm. where they're in yeah. like magazines and and video and whatnot, and then you'd have like your lower class, which is like I'm just trying to get by and feed my family. I'm on OnlyFans now. <laughs> yeah, Hansel would for sure be an Instagram model. Derek Zoolander's yeah. character would be, you know, the fashion magazine model still, but like Hansel's, I think one of Wilson's characters actually just gonna be like, you know, some sort of like yogi Instagram model with like inspirational quotes kind of thing who like really yeah. gets big um, would be where like that feud comes out in like 2020 if they made this movie or 2021 now. I f- or even even an influencer, like the way that he talks in yeah. that, um, you know, the VH1 like like the nomination video yeah. is Sting, like the, I, I love yeah. it. Do I like his music? No, but I, I respect the yeah. fact that he's making it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that that's so good. Like I just feel like him, like filming what, like himself. Like, you know, I, I'm in. I'm I'm on Mount Vesuvius yeah, like, like point like, point breaking I'm it yeah. rappelling down Mount Vesuvius today like what are you guys up to I think the other well, the other one as well obviously like child labor is obviously still a pretty big thing now mm-hmm. but I feel like they would probably move it to like sweatshops in general because mm-hmm. I feel like with the rise of brands like Nike and Adidas obviously they were around then but like especially now in our culture like that's still a big thing um, for fashion and and clothing in general so I feel like that's a good way to sort of keep it more topical and more relevant, I feel. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, useless trivia. So the part <laughs> of Mugatu was originally written for Andy Dick, who couldn't oh. play it due to commitments to a movie called Go Fish. So he was he was cast into the smaller role of Olga the Masseuse. I didn't recognize him. I didn't yeah, that, that, um, <laughs> that's that's. It. I did know. I did think like this person's face looks kind of messed up. I was like, this person. I was like, I don't know who it is, but it's definitely a cameo. But. Yes, so Andy Dick in in some prosthetics, but um, I can really see Andy Dick in Will Ferrell's performance oh, now. See, I but can't. I know that. No, I, I don't. I wouldn't like uh, that. I think performance as much. I think I, I think he's I, got I the eccentricity. It, yeah, I think he's. I, I think Will Ferrell was channeling some Andy Dick. Yeah, is what I'm saying. Like when Andy Dick goes big in the way that Magatu does, I just can really see those comparisons, and even like the look with like the. Like um, Andy Dick's very effeminate, and that's how how Will Ferrell plays the character too. So I mean, maybe maybe that wasn't the inspiration, but I can definitely see how that was a, an idea that he had. Um, and then the part of Hansel was just written for Owen Wilson specifically, and mm-hmm. no one else was even really considered. All right, the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi, a real spark plug. This is a tough one because there's so many cameos, but none of them are really meaty. And there's not really any, like, if you go down the list of, you know, the main roles, Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, Christine Taylor, Will Ferrell, Miller, Jovovich, and Jerry Stiller, there's a big drop-off after that where people don't really have much to work with. So the one that came to mind the most was David Duchovny playing J.P. Mm. Pruitt, oh, the yeah. famous hand model. <laughs> um he's i can't remember the um the term he uses but he's when he's saying like we're not like the face guys yeah. or whatever we're different we're not the, yeah 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 we're different like he's he's great and like the fact that he has his hand in a, um, a bowl sealed, yeah yeah and he still 
forgets and tries to pick up the torch for some reason. Yeah, oh, I'll get it. Oh, so he's no. not that smart. But anyway, um, I, I liked his performance and the, the ad lib by Ben Stiller, which was, um, but what about, but why male models? And really? he I, says it again. I just, I just told you that. Really, yeah. So, said- so apparently um, Ben Stiller forgot the next line. So he just went back to that <laughs> and they kept it, which is just perfect. Um, so Duchovny is a big nomination. Billy Zane, I guess, just because he's there, but he doesn't really do anything. He's just, he's just Billy kind of... Zane, man. That's enough. All yeah. right. You should listen to your friend Billy Zane. He's <laughs> a, a cool guy. guy. So cool guy. I, yeah, cool I want guy. to nominate, if I can, just because I've always loved the scene, Ben Stiller's mom. Like the whole extent of her just okay. throwing the egg. Look out, he's a shot! And then just like his reaction yeah. is just like such a great like... Screw 30 you, second clip yeah <laughs> exactly yeah oh, that, that's a that's a good one the one other i wanted to throw out was john voight as his father yeah. in the mines because <laughs> yeah. that's like that's like the, the whole merman thing like that that scene and him like telling him like i've been down there for 30 years and you've been there for one day i think i've got the, the black 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 <laughs> one of those parts of the movie for me yeah yeah that's so <laughs> so good and he's you can just see the like john voight's a good actor you can just see the disappointment in his face <laughs> the entire time but then like you get the emotional payoff that's my boy <laughs> where he's like that's my son that's my son. like yeah i also like that like vince vaughn didn't have a sing- they just said vince vaughn not say anything it's just there and it's yeah. great it's that's, so good that's such a missed opportunity i, I think like it. how can they just have vince vaughn like he wasn't old school and dodgeball vince vaughn he was still well known yeah exactly like he was it was great i loved it he's a a comic talent but he's just given nothing yeah it's almost like he was just like oh what are you doing this weekend do you want to shoot for like a day with john voight yeah sure okay (laughs) and i love that they all had the same same hair yes hair like the puffy hair it's just a small thing but yeah yeah that is a nice detail apparently judah friedlander was the other also, I, yes. I didn't recognize him with no facial hair. Yeah, yeah or the the, the hat and the hat glasses. Yeah, glasses. Yeah, I think um, before you move on, I like my mention. I think apart from David Bowie, who was oh, like, yeah. writing writing down yeah. the score every time that they did a move, I thought he was good in that. I think like I I've got to give some credit to, to Christine Taylor for really being like the 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 straight grounded the grounded yeah. straight man mm-hmm. in this in this role being like the glue that almost holds everyone's insanity together and being like the straight laced reporter amongst everyone mm-hmm. else's madness i felt like she was actually that's a good nomination qu- quite good at that um yeah. and i think she obviously inspiring the the day spa d-a-i-y-e <laughs> and getting some of like the best lines out of um both maury and Derek i think was was really good so I think she was yeah, a really sort of integral role in this. Yeah, definitely was. Uh, I'm going to make a ruling because she was in it too much to be the spark plug. So I'm going to give it to Duchovny if you okay. guys don't have any objections. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I'll, I'll allow, allow it. it. <laughs> and he's just so handsome. It's like, why wasn't he a face model? Like, why, why was he a hand model? He's one of the, at one point, probably one of the like most handsome people in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, the 90s man. I want to shout out also the, the merman thing. Like the the city that I grew up in, the local basketball team was the Seahawks, and then the female basketball team was the Mermaids. And you, we'd get there like early to get good seats for the for the guys' team, so we would watch kind of the second half of the girls. 
and because they were the mermaids, we couldn't help yelling out, Merman! Oh my god. <laughs> Merman! I also hated that. <laughs> Not <laughs> loud enough for them to hear, but you know. When we spoke about Kristen Taylor, I also was reminded of the fact of whenever she goes to Derek's apartment after he's been gone for a week, and she's trying to convince him that he's been gone for a week and not just like an afternoon. And yeah. he goes to check his messages and you have 1,200 under messages. Well, that's a few more than usual. <laughs> that's the only line. That's just another good throwaway line. It's still like 200, almost 200 a day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, and it starts like you have 1,200 messages. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So is it still a good movie? I think we all think absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's absolutely. fantastic. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's classic. Yeah. Is there any more to say? I mean, having watched this movie for the first time in a little while after mm. having yeah. not watched it, um, I'm just surprised how well it st- all still holds yeah. up. I think. Um, I think what really got me was how close everything was in terms of like really good comedic moments like i wasn't expecting it to be like bang 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 just in within like the first maybe 20 minutes it's like he loses uh his his friends die in the freak gasoline you googlies you googly yeah yeah. that's another callback how do how we've gone this long without talking about you googly yeah all of it just like you don't it's the same thing with anchorman how you sort of discuss like you almost don't get enough time to breathe because they're yeah. right <laughs> at it again with another yeah comedy yeah. like classic comedy quote or um like line that you forgot about like yeah, yeah this movie absolutely is is one of my favorite comedies and it, it still holds up today yeah yeah i mean it is yeah like i said before it was my favorite comedy of all time for years it is still easily one of my favorite comedies of all time um i think yeah, Matt put it really well. It's just there's just you have no chance to breathe ever. They're just running full speed mm-hmm. ahead almost the entire movie. Um, anywhere you look, there's something funny happening. There's some throwaway line occurring. Sometimes there are like five different things happening. One seems to kind of keep bouncing back and forth. Uh, it is just an absolute classic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I think this movie is one that you could watch now for the first time. And it hasn't dated Absolutely. so much yeah. compared to some like '90s movies that we've covered. Wayne's World, um, Wayne's World, which I mean, Logan thinks that holds up, but I, I think do. less so, lesser. <laughs> but I think we would have to agree that this holds up better than Wayne's World yes. as far as the style, the humor, the pacing, yeah. the, the quirkiness. It's yeah. it's a bit more accessible, and you could show like a Gen Z or Gen Z person. This film now, I think, and I think they would still enjoy it. Yeah, hundred percent. So that's it. That's Zoolander. Um, if we keep doing this podcast for another twenty years, we'll be able to look back at Zoolander two one day, and nah, I'll have to get you guys back. Look, I'm I'm just gonna say, like, I'm I, I, unfortunately I'm busy that day. Um, I've got, a, I've got <laughs> an years. appointment on in twenty years time. I have to get back to. Very good. Okay, we'll we'll see what you're up to then. <laughs> but uh, for now, if uh, our dear listeners want to support the uh, the work of Eight Bit and all of our great podcasts, you can do that with your either Apple Podcast reviews, Podchaser reviews, whatever your podcast service is. You know, hit us with a subscribe, hit us with a review. That really keeps things going. And of course, we have our Ko-fi page, ko fi dot com slash we are eight bit a t e b i t. That's where you can chip in a few dollars a month to support the great work of uh, 8-Bit. You can 
you know, get into our family portrait, be drawn as a Star Wars character for, you know, a bit of bit of cash. And we also have our commemorative 8-bit coins that are available at the moment. I think there's a limited amount. So head over to that Kofi page to, to pick up one of those sweet coins. Very, very cool. Uh, anything more to add, fellas? Why don't, we, why don't we give a plug to our respective podcasts? Uh, Tilby, where can people find you? not only on socials but in the podcast world yeah so you can find me on the socials pretty much all socials at it's tilby i-t-s-t-i-l-b-y and of course um, you can find me pretty much every fortnight on hoop dreams the basketball podcast on 8-bit we'll be diving into a lot of stuff in the next episode Um, but uh, yeah hoop dreams on 8-bit is where you'll find me as well as jono and uh, uh, lovely friend brendan white very good. And Logan? Yeah, you can find me uh, at Lefty Logie or Lefty Logie. I gave up on trying to get him to say it right. L-O-G-G-Y um, on the internet um, and over at That Nerdy Site um, where we have all kinds of podcasts including That News You Care About, a weekly video game news show I host over there. Um, go check out all of the good stuff happening over there and all of my internet takes. Beautiful. All right. Thank you very much coming on the show fellas pleasure always a pleasure people can catch me on the socials at Jono himself and our dear listeners I want to thank you again for joining us on Comedy Rewind till next episode be kind Rewind and Rewind